Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Jael Gordon for a discussion about incidents of a slavery and plantation interpreter. Being an African-American woman researching and working on plantations, Jael often gets the question, Why work at a place with such a horrific history? There are no slave costumes or reenactments for her. This is real. Whether she's being interrogated to see if she is teaching the watered-down version or being met with the unspoken hope that she actually will water it down, every single encounter is unique. Nothing will ever stop Yael from researching and providing the life stories of the enslaved with dignity and facts. As a historian, she revisits this type of trauma by choice, and her purpose is to help others process, not suppress. She is a Louisiana-born genealogist and historian and graduate of Southern University Baton Rouge with a Bachelor of Arts in History and also received her Master of Arts in Museum Studies from Southern University, New Orleans, and is currently a Ph.D. candidate in Jackson State University's Higher Education Program. So let me just give a warm welcome to Yael Gordon. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mrs. Bennett. How are you today? I am doing fine, and I am looking forward to this conversation. So let's just start off. As a black woman, what got you started working on and researching, of all places, plantations? It started really started in my youth. I would always go to my maternal line um, family home place in, say, in Rapides Parish. And to get there from Baton Rouge, we always took the back way through, like, New Roads, False River. And I would see these homes, these, these, these magnificently built homes with beautiful architecture. And I wanted to know who are these homes for? Why are they sitting there? Why do they look empty? 
same thing when I went to my paternal side in Mississippi. We would pass by these grand places that look like gone with the wind, and I'm thinking these are absolutely beautiful, and I wanted to learn more about them. And I realized at a very young age that these places had more of a history than what they actually appeared, and a history that was hidden and, and almost non-existent to many people like, my, like, like myself. And to, but to realize that at an early age that people like my ancestors, persons of color, black people, African-Americans, Africans, they built these locations. And I wanted to be able to look at them and also tell their story and to tell beyond that grandness. And that grandness is deserving towards the ancestors. And so that's what really got me started. How do you, how do you prepare, I mean, your dates, your day-to-day, you know, your daily experiences. Well, I prepare. I, I, I can't. I can honestly tell you that I don't have a preparation method, so to speak. I wake up to this. I sleep with this. It's on my mind in the middle of the night when I am sleeping. I dream about it. So my just daily preparation is knowing that when I wake up, it is automatically on my mind and knowing that I have to speak about it and do additional research. Now, prepping to actually go to a plantation or a site early in the mornings or throughout the day, when I'm headed there, I'm in mostly silence just because I want to be able to prepare myself for the type of topics or the type of questions or the type of personalities that I may engage with or that I'll engage with on that day. And so I have to be able to just sit with myself and not think too much, but not also not think too little, just to be able to know that whatever, whatever whoever I am engaging with, whatever comes out is going to be from an honest point from my heart. It's going to be facts. So I don't overthink it, but I also don't underthink it. So I am, but again, I'm in complete silence, just making sure that I am not thinking about anything else when I'm arriving to these sites. So when so you're there, you're at the site, and you have guests coming in. How yes. do you deal, let's say, with the inquisitive guests and the offensive mm-hmm. guests, the one who really wants to know and then the one that probably doesn't want to hear what you have to say? Well, me being the empath that I am, I kind of can pick up and tell who's who and who wants to know certain things or who is just there just because they're there for a tour or a trip, or even those who really don't want to have a conversation with you and they're just there in passing. Um, so when I'm engaging with people, I, I, I try to I, I read them and I feel them out to see exactly what they want to know. And for those who are very inquisitive, I welcome all conversation. I don't I don't dictate what kind of conversation comes out of them. I want them to be able to be open and honest with me about their conversation, and as the same as I'm going to do with them. Be comfortable asking me questions. Be comfortable bringing up a topic. So I highly encourage that. And I have a welcoming personality to where as individuals who I'm speaking with, they can automatically tell that. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to try to be biased. And so I try to engage in conversation with them to let them know that I'm here to help you understand, but you can also help me understand certain things. So let's actually have a conversation. I'm not going to be teaching you. I'm teaching you, but I'm not going to be teaching at you or talking at you. I'm explaining certain things that I would like you to know or you may be too scared to talk about. 
Um, and there are so many individuals who are scared to have certain conversations. They're scared to say um, African-American or even the term slave. I know that is kind of a, a, a hot topic in political correctness now. And so someone asks, well, how should I, you know, refer to these people? And me as a historian, I use the term interchangeably, slave and enslaved. I know what that meaning is. I know the legalness behind it. So I, 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 I and, and tell individuals, okay, it, it is okay. I'm, I'm not offended by you saying certain things. Now, when there are individuals who are just trying to be offensive, then that's I also know how to handle myself. I'm a very assertive person, so I know how to kind of maneuver around things like that. Nothing really offends me because I know that there is a level of ignorance amongst many people of of all ages, colors, races, ethnicities. And so sometimes individuals are offensive and they don't realize that they're offensive, even though we believe that they should know automatically. But some, for whatever reason, they just don't understand, they just don't know. But then there are some who are purposefully um, very offensive. I've had colleagues of mine who also work on a plantation who have been called the N-word, um, called um, mammies, things of that sort. Um, I, I know my, my sister and great friend, colleague, Gaynell, um, she mentioned on one of your calls, you know, her her, her businesses are mammy, and so many individuals take a, a a bad bad thought process to that term and what that is, and some people will say that to us in joking manner, and 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 thinking that it's funny, but we have as a professional, we have to know how to go around that and and still show that level of professionalism, but also let people know that they're not going, we're not going to allow for that complete disrespect. So the conversations can be very different. They can be from high to low. They can be every every single day is, is a different one. And so you're never really fully prepared for the type of conversation that we're going to have with someone. Well, you mentioned, you know, as a professional, uh, there there has to be some type of prep, although you may not know what kinds of questions that you're going to be asked. Do you have in your head a, a script of uh, some background historical information that you want to make certain that those that are on your plantation asking questions that you are providing them with the most accurate information possible? Yes. Now, I will say uh, you mentioned script. That's one of the things that I absolutely do not participate in. I do not do, um, I do, not do scripting at all. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. a tour guide, so to so to speak. Uh, I know mm-hmm. there are some um, plantation homes that actually have tour guides and they have scripted tours, say for the house or for the, some of the exhibits. I do not do that. And mm-hmm. um, luckily, many of the curators or other historians that I've worked with on some of these sites, they they promote being able to be spontaneous and have open open dialogue and not being on a scripted tour, because this is a serious topic. One of the things that I specifically deal with is slavery and the enslaved and plantation owners. And so I'm not speaking about the architecture of the house. I'm not speaking about the mm-hmm. furniture or the owner's children getting married or who, who died in the house. No, I'm speaking about the life of the plantation owner, the life of those who were enslaved on the plantation, the slave quarters, the type of work. And so that's the type of facts that I'm going to provide to, to provide to access to people, and it's not scripted. So, but the basic information that I want them to understand that is that slave is a legal term, 
these people were enslaved does not, does not define who they are and who they were. But they are going to be listed as though they were property, but they're not property. They're real people, and we have to continue to acknowledge that, whether that's putting up their names on the walls or listing their names in various documents or in, in, in various videos or speaking their names at a Juneteenth a program. That's what we're going to do. But I'm also going to provide them information of just about how slavery in the South, it is completely different from slavery in the North, slavery in Louisiana. It, it, it's completely different than, than most places. But you have to remember that just because they may not see the, it in numbers, for instance, if they're looking at certain maps or looking at the amount of people who were owned in a certain parish or a certain county for that particular um, year, 1850 or 1860, that's not to say that that's all the people that were owned there at that time. There are people who were unaccounted for, people who died. There were owners. Every owner did not have 100 slaves. Mm-hmm. The owner did not have 500 slaves. Some had two. Some had one. And so that does not make them any less of a slave owner. Even if that person sold off someone and they didn't want them, that still makes them an actual slave owner. So I get to mm-hmm. the actual facts of what of what was going on. And so much of that we have learned about um, slavery and plantation life is what we've seen on television and from movies. Yes. And so I, when I speak to individuals, I try to have them understand it wasn't exactly like that that we've been taught, so that's why research is extremely, extremely important. But when you say what you, what you've been taught, exactly mm-hmm. what are you referencing? So when I speak on things like, say, for instance, what we have um, been taught, um, I know that yes, that say for instance, there are black slave owners. There there are persons who were black who own other who, who owned enslaved people. Yes, but one of the things that I have to provide to guests and have them understand is that, yes, while there were individuals, especially here in Louisiana, who were free persons of color who owned enslaved persons themselves, if an enslaved person who was freed bought, one of, say, one of their relatives, that now technically makes them a slave owner. It's just as well, unless they freed that person by manumission. So you have to look into things like that. It's Slavery is such a complex matter that mm-hmm. it's it goes so far beyond surface level because it's more than what we actually think. And what we're taught is always has typically been taught from a non-black perspective. We have not been able to really control our narrative and able to be able to provide and do our own research. But by mm-hmm. looking at the actual research, we're able to look more into stories and look why certain things happen. And so movies are fictitious. They are not 100%. They're not accurate. Even books. Books are subjective. History itself is subjective. And so everybody's interpretation is going to be completely different. And so what we're we're taught, we have to go by what we can find out ourselves. And that does not mean that what we know is always accurate, 100% accurate ourselves. To know that what we are what what we have been provided is just literally what we have been provided just to just say we've gotten something, and so what we ha- what we need is so much more beyond that. Well, let me just take you in a, in another uh, direction. So, what is the contrast of how mm-hmm. the public views? 
plantations that solely focus on slavery, for example, the Whitney Plantation, versus mm-hmm. those whose slavery exhibits are present alongside the Big House tour? Well, okay, so public perception. Um, I'll say this. Um, there are plantations all across the U.S., especially here in Louisiana, that have now started to incorporate slavery exhibits on their sites. Mm-hmm. And they provide information about the enslaved community because it's necessary, but also individuals have pushed and promoted um activism to actually get these particular exhibits and these stories to be told at these locations. And in order to appease, in order to be progressive and move forward, many places have started to implement slavery exhibits and talk more about the enslaved community on their plantation sites. However, there are still a lot who absolutely don't talk about it. And they kind of sometimes gloss over slavery or they may make you think about the happy slave and have that mm-hmm. listed on, on exhibits. Um, but I can say that one of the differences, um, and Whitney is a wonderful, wonderful place. When individuals learn about Whitney, they know it's a slavery museum. That's it. Because there's no other plantation that's a slavery museum. There's Whitney. And so Individuals may go to Whitney and because they know it's specifically for slavery museum. They're not going there mm-hmm. for the house. They automatically know that. But most of these other locations, they're going there for the house. They're going for the beautiful scenery and the nice atmosphere and the drinks mm-hmm. and the grand old southern feeling. But that's not all there's to it. And so it gives a complete misconception that there's not any information there about slavery. And that's, to, to me, it's, 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 it's disheartening because I, I think the, my, my, my colleagues who, who, who are at, at Whitney or historians that are there, the ones, who are, the ones who are at locations who are not there, we're all historians. And so I, I encourage individuals, again, to research and see what that plantation offers. Don't overlook other plantation sites just because they're not a slavery they're not basically solely focusing on slavery, but mm-hmm. more people, more people come. That's the, that the, the, then then the more plantations will actually start to implement more about slavery. You, if you don't ask, you won't get. I, I, I truly believe that, and so I think there's a, a complete misconception that there are plantations who don't focus on it because there there actually are, but that's it, it's not always the full promotion. And we and sometimes those plantation sites get completely overlooked because it's not an actual, it's not based solely on, on slavery. And most of those exhibits, they are, they are, um, how I want to say, they they are optional. I'll say that. So when most people buy tickets, they buy tickets for the big house, or mm-hmm. whatever's on that particular site, or to stay overnight. Um, they don't. Their 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 tickets. It includes maybe to say the slavery exhibit, but that's not that's just not what most many are are actually coming for. When you go to the slavery museum, you know exactly what you're coming for. Other sites, you're coming that that is an optional space, and so we're very grateful for anyone who actually visits 
you know, slavery exhibits that are come and talk about slavery because there are historians and genealogists who are, who are on these locations and even researching some of the lost ones, and, and we do exist. And so we want to be able to provide that information because we know it's lost, and so that's why we're at those locations. So is there a difference? Because, you know, we're talking about incidents of a slavery implantation interpreter. Mm-hmm. So is there mm-hmm. a difference? in the interactions that you have between the white guests and the black guests? Yes, there is. Um, I, when, I'm, when I'm speaking, say, with some white guests, there, I, there's a sense of guilt sometimes. There's sometimes tears. There's this overwhelming sense of heartache. And apologies that have happened, um, and so because they're they're someone who who really wants to come and learn about it. They're they're white guests who really did not fully even think about learning about the full about the extent the horrific extent of slavery until they came to a plantation, and they are mm-hmm. mortified by what they actually see and how humans can be treated like cattle and property. So they're completely mortified by that. Um, but then there are also some white guests that are very, they just brush it off. They're, they're just there just to be there because the drinks are nice or they're passing the day or the, ca- the slave cabins are cute. I've, I've, I've heard things like that. And it looks like a, a, a cute cabin in the, in, in the woods. They could stay there overnight. And so it's it really doesn't affect them. And people really don't, sometimes there are individuals who do not who can't re, when they can't relate to something it doesn't affect them and they really don't think about it. And, but they also don't think about how it has affected other people. So it's out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes the white guests maybe and, and those same guests will expect me to water down conversations and to not certain not say certain things. Um, and I don't say certain things to be offensive. If if the truth is offensive, then then so be it. Um, but they, they expect me to, to to water things down or, or, or mention that how, you know, were the slaves really beaten or were they really not fed or not clothed enough? And one of the craziest questions that I ever have and continue to have to this day for years and years is, well, if they would have just treated them better or fed them better, wouldn't they have worked harder? To the normal person outside of the historian field, they would think, what in the world kind of kind of question is that? How dare you? I, under, I on the other hand, I, as offensive as it is, I understand that ignorance is not acceptable, but I'm going to answer that ignorance. Number one, it, they shouldn't have, it, it, slavery shouldn't have existed in the first place. I get your question. So, again, don't be afraid to ask the question. No matter how crazy it, and silly it may, it may sound, let me help you reword this and figure this out or even take this out of your mind. And so that is, that's the type of conversations that I have, have had with you know, white guests, um, with fellow black Americans, um, African Americans, even black people from, say, France or, 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 or the Caribbean. They come, especially, especially those who are, who are, who are African American. Um, I also get 
the kind of the 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 the, the seeking of if I'm going to water it down. They're trying to make sure that I am going to tell the truth. So on one side, it's wondering if I'm going to tell the truth because they don't want feelings hurt, but on the other side, it's making sure that I'm telling the truth because I, I, they, they don't want me whitewashing the information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's making sure that I'm saying what I need to say at all times and making sure that I am providing facts. So they're holding me accountable. And I'm going to continue to make sure that I'm being held accountable with many of, my, of, of the, the black patrons that come to these, these sites, whether it's a, a, a up-and-running plantation or even one of the lost sites that, 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 I, that I research for. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of emotion. There is a lot, again, still there. There's a depressive, that traumatic, you know, mindset, that the heart. And so... That's why I go in, continue to go into let me help you process this and not suppress. Let's talk about it. I get the anger. We all have a right to be angry. We all have a right to have all feelings. They're all valid. I get it. But don't let that deter you from coming to this place or asking questions. And if if you are a fellow African-American person visiting a plantation, ask that if there's an African-American person working there, ask them questions. Don't just bypass them or just walk through the exhibit just just because you're there on a tour bus and just just to be there. No, ask them questions, engage with them, see see what they're talking about. Make sure hold them accountable, hold the plantation accountable because they're there for a reason. They're there to provide the information, and I, I can't say everyone is, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna try to say everyone is. That 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 is the reasons why we are there to be able to provide corrective narrative to history. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt and not want to be there. But since you're there, since you paid this money or want to come and find out, please ask questions. Please ask questions. Well, we have a question coming in, and um, I'm going to open up the line so that you can ask this question by calling your area code. Area code 314, what is your question? When you hear people in America talk about slavery, why do they always blame a white person? Okay, why do you always blame a white person? Well, see, the, the thing with me, I don't, I don't blame, I blame humans. And I tell any of my guests, anyone who I'm working with, anyone who I encounter when I'm talking about slavery, it's human. It just so happens that the one of the, the, the largest slave trade it we, we it, it happens with with white people. Again, that kind of goes back to yes, black people. Some free black persons were slave owners themselves, but that slave is not a slave; they're a person. And so, it's accountability on humans' part. Every it, it's slavery is about money, is about power, and it's about greed. It's bigger than race. It goes beyond black or white. It is that—that that is what it comes to at the end of the day. There's no loyalty in any of it. There's no loyalty even even among slave owners, because you can see that with between the banks and the, and the slave owners when they were recalling these people's loans and their homes and everything. There's no loyalty in it. And so, it is to me a human blame because we're always trying to make sure that we stay on top in order to, and by doing so, we have to break someone else down. 
a uh, a cousin of mine, Miss Jessica Tilson, who who works with um, with with Georgetown. She 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 mentioned one time that in order for someone to get ahead, someone else has to lose something. In order for you to get a promotion, someone else has to lose their job. But you to get a job, someone has to lose a job. So we benefit off of someone else's demise, and that's human nature, and it's unfortunate. I don't want to say, okay, well, I'm going to blame a white person. I'm going to just blame this person. It is to me, it's it's a human it's a human thing. And yes, many yes, it is white privilege. It it is white supremacy. At the same time, my job is to make sure that I'm providing the facts about them as people, as, as a human. There are humans who do good things who are bad people, and there are bad people who are humans who do good things, vice versa. And so I don't, when I, when I engage with, 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 with individuals, I don't do the whole blame game. Again, my job is to make sure that I'm providing as much accurate information as possible because everyone has, issues amongst their story some a lot way more than others but it's about accountability how are we going to hold people accountable how are we going to focus now and how are we going to learn from this and how are we going to move forward and there is a reality that slavery most definitely existed in the united states Mm -hmm. of america correct right right i mean that 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 is absolutely undeniable it's, and it's I, undeniable. And if and if and people quickly, think that it didn't, then uh, somebody needs to go. Yeah, back I don't know and where they've been, right? Reading. And, and I, I'll even I'll even say this because what he asks is kind of it kind of leads into some of the questions that are some of the comments that I've had say white guests ask. Well, they you know white people wouldn't have slavery if you know Africans wouldn't have sold them. Well, okay. I mean, that's a whole nother topic because just because, just because somebody does something doesn't mean you have to participate in it. Doesn't mean you have to do do something. And 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 that is a small number, as in in as opposed to the large number of people who were not just taken, say, by, or sold by 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 these kingdoms or by places like the in Dahomey. So it's just because something was done does not does not does not make it right. So yeah, I def, I've had that conversation before about well, well black people were slave owners too or well they 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 they, they sold us, so it's their fault. Okay. So so nobody wants to take the blame now. So it it's we just have to continue to say slavery existed. It existed. It is what this country is built upon. It is the foundation of this country and in this country it was colonized and these people were Europeans and so I'm looking at it from here now if I was a, a historian in, in Africa or Spain then, then that's something I, I, maybe I talk about something different but I'm talk, I'm focusing on these U.S. people so let's talk about how can people prepare for mm-hmm. a plantation Let's say they go, they're going to go. What kind of homework should they do before they go? Before they go, I would say look to see if they have slavery exhibits. Look at the wording of how they speak about the enslaved community. Um, see how much information they have documented on the enslaved community. Look at how much um, is 
online for these individuals of, of that who who are enslaved? How much of their information is their database? I know um, Katie Morales at, at, at Evergreen has a wonderful database of the enslaved community um, that is actually there. So that's 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 the first stop that I would say. If, if beyond looking at how grand this home is, look at how they have talked about their enslaved community on their websites. Granted, most of them have, do have websites. Call and ask about, you know, is there a portion of the tour that talks about slavery? Um, you have to do, do the actual research on it. And so, and again, look at the wording of how they talk about the individuals, how much time and space is dedicated in, in, their, in their write-ups on their websites or in the news articles about the enslaved community. How, where, look at, if, if you want to go a step further, look at their, look at their funding. Where, how much funding, how much, how much income have, they, have these plantations generated? How, how much has come in? And how much of that money has gone to outside entities, to black schools, to black foundations, to black initiatives within the community, within their surrounding community, but also nationally? What are they doing to give back to the actual black community? Find that out. To me, that's, that, that's very important before coming to an actual plantation. And you're not going to find information much about the staff who's there on, say, if unless you just randomly call, but you'd have someone who was working there to, to find out information. Make sure there's somebody black that's working there. Making sure there's somebody that, that looks like you that, that, that is working there who has a rightful place to come and be able to be there to tell our stories. We have to be able to control our narratives. If we're not working on these places, then that is no different from having a textbook in a school that provides information that, that barely has any of us in it besides Harriet Tubman and, Matt, and, and Martin Luther King. We have to be able to be at these places. So make sure they have, you know, staff who, 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 who is African-American, who, who, are, who are black that are working there, who will be able to provide information um, relative to the plantation life in the enslaved community, people who are experts in this area, people who specialize in this area and not just there just to provide a, a scripted tour, and they do the same tour all day, every single day. That's great, but if you really want to find the educational part of it, you have to be able to speak about various things at different times. So just do your homework with that. Again, making sure they're talking about the enslaved community on their website. And if you see that they are, make sure you hold them accountable when you do go. Make sure you're asking them about, okay, well, I, I saw this about um, Christophe on your website. Can you tell me more about Christophe here on this tour? Because you don't want them just to have the information up on the website, and that's the farthest that it should go. That, is, that, 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 that needs to be embedded into the culture and the conversations of that, of that actual plantation if they're really a historical site because these are non most of these are nonprofits. Some are privately owned, but they're nonprofits. So they're supposed to be, in my opinion, research institutions. Okay, well, where's the research? How much information is being provided to the actual public? What type of ongoing research are they continuing to do? Okay, so I want to just thank you so much for coming on. I mean, there's probably more that we could talk about, and 
for those of you that have been listening, if you have never gone on a, a plantation tour, this is something that you have just heard. Do your homework, right? Do your homework. Mm-hmm. And learn as much as you can about the place that you're going to go, even to the point where you have questions that you are prepared to to ask. But also be prepared to hear the response that the right. plantation interpreter will provide to you, which according to our right. guests will be historically accurate information which will not, in some cases, be watered down the way you may want it to be because you're uncomfortable with the response that you may receive. Do you have any closing remarks before we close out today? I'll just say I I encourage any any and everyone to visit uh, these plantation sites and not, you know, again, just for that Gone with the Wind experience because that's what many – um, want and they want to portray having that grand old South um, plantation beautiful experience. But go there for research purposes. Go there to learn about the actual people. Um, help some of us locate some of these lost plantations. I do a lot of work with that, locating lost plantations to see who these individuals were, who they, uh, who, who was, who was, who were the people that so-called owned them. And remember that a plantation is not a big house. A plantation is a farm. So what you're looking for sometimes may not be there, but the information is there. The information is always there. You just have to know how, you know, where to look, how to look. But go there with every emotion that you want to, but also but be prepared to learn. And, again, that learning may be very, very uncomfortable. And don't look at black persons who work at plantation sites as though we are just trying to fit in with white people or just trying to erase history. No, we are actually trying to provide history and be able to get into spaces where we otherwise would not have a place to be and a voice. Thank you so thank much. You. You're welcome. Yes, thank you so much. And everybody remember your ancestors left footprints and, hey, maybe on some of those lost plantations. So I want yes. you to, you know, just just remember some of the some of the things that you've been sh- uh, told today. And everyone, I look forward to all of you joining me next week. This is your host Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you so much, Yael Gordon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye.
I've been, 